blindfold on Mama always asking where did I go wrong What's up danger What's up danger to the second hour of Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. There is a final result in from Syria. Roma beating the suffering AC Milan 2-1. Okay, so just so you know that. Now, we'll just give a quick run uh, down on those scores again today from the English Premier League. Uh, Newcastle drew 1-1 with Wolves. So a, at least a point for Wolves. Anyway, they were trading on that one. Arsenal blew a two-goal lead to draw 2-2 at home against Crystal Palace in the London Derby. Uh, Liverpool, they came back from behind to win 2-1 against Tottenham Hotspur and Norwich City just couldn't get going at all they lost 3-1 against Manchester United now how does that leave the table right now after 10 matches well top of the table of course are Liverpool they are top on 28 points in second place Man City they are on 22 points they are you know, starting to recover their form a wee bit Leicester City they storm up storm up to third place uh, on 20 points Chelsea they are fourth on 20 points as well Ar- uh, Arsenal are on 16 points okay they could have been a little bit closer to Chelsea but still they're doing well well done to Frank Lampard of course for ch- turning Chelsea around they have won six in a row in all competitions 
Uh, Crystal Palace are just ahead of Manchester United. Down at the bottom, suffering badly, Watford. They are still without a win this season. They drew this weekend in an absolute... Well, it was terrible, like rainstorm, basically. So, uh, bad for them. Okay, so... The uh, Formula One is getting away in just a minute, so I'll let the cars along. We'll bring those uh, that news just as we go along. We're still waiting to try and get Alex B on the line. Uh, now, what we're going to ask Alex B about, well, one of things was, of course, UFC. Now, this week, of course, we had, or well, we've had Conor McGregor here in Moscow. Now, he brought his own brand of madness to the Russian capital. Things he said that really don't need to be said. Insults he made that really reflect more on him than on anybody else. Uh, of course, uh, UFC 244 on Thursday, okay, Nate Diaz, very confused kind of statement, um, saying that he had failed an out-of-competition drug test. Now, of course, this was flagged by uh, the doping, anti-doping partner even, uh, the anti-doping partner of the UFC, of the, that of course is USADA, the US Anti-Doping Agency. Uh, now, of course, we do know that USADA have their own issues and they, well, they're basically paid for in many, many um, uh, ways, shapes and forms. So basically, uh, Nate put out, now, of course, he's 30, 34 years old right now. So Nate says, until UFC, USADA or whoever is beeping with me fixes it, I won't be competing. Diaz wrote, uh, you're all on steroids, not me. Now, this, when he was fighting Conor McGregor, he was saying, everyone's on steroids, not me. I've never taken steroids. I don't take anything. Now, of course, the UFC 224 is taking place next weekend on November 2nd at Madison Square Gardens in New York. He used to fight the guy Maz Vidal. So, people were basically going, okay, well, this isn't going to happen. Uh, Diaz didn't say what uh, he, you know, what he had taken. He just said that he was tested with elevated levels that, that could become from tainted supplements. Um, and basically the, the whole situation was that he said he called it false because he only takes whole food and he said I don't even eat meat he said I'm not, I'm not going to have my name tainted as a cheater um, and so on and so forth so he basically then started fighting and he said USADA fix it and then all of a sudden Dana White the USC president turns around and says the fight is on I 100% knew Nate wasn't taking anything to cheat now Bear with me for a second. Now, we're going to ask uh, Danny Armstrong just a moment about this. Um, it normally takes quite a bit of time to double-check and to you know check, do the B sample and so on and so forth to see why they failed, what has happened and you know what basically what was going on. Uh, and in record quick time, almost as if they organised for it so that in the space of one day, 24 hours, which is an amazing turnaround, that now Nate Diaz could actually fight the top of the card at UFC 244. Um USADA expedited the process. So, I mean, there's lots of questions around it, lots of reasons to say, hold on, what's just been going on? Um, but, you know, we, we, we have questions to ask. And we're going to ask those in a moment to a man who actually interviewed uh, Conor McGregor this week. We have Danny Armstrong on the line. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Alan. Listen, I know you're doing very, very, very much better for speaking to you. <laughs> Listen, I'll only believe 50% of that because I know, of course, Spartak won today and United won today. So the Reds on the double will have you very, very happy. Um, mm. Before we go on to the, the local Spartak game, and I want to ask your opinion on the, 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 the United game as well. Um, you interviewed Conor McGregor this week, uh, a, a real circus around the whole thing. How did you find the, like his responses to you? Did, were you? Were you satisfied with them? And did you think that it was a bit odd that people were being shut down asking questions? Uh, well, yeah, you've raised a very, very good point there, Alan. Um, 
you you kind of hit the nail on the head. The fact that the, the Conor McGregor circus uh, rolled into town uh, just a few hundred yards away from Red Square. Uh, the thing about Conor McGregor is he was he was theatre from start to finish. He was impeccably dressed. He spoke very very well. He's as much as people might not like him or or, or might like him. I mean, he's a little bit of an uh, an enigma if I can get any words out. Um, I was pleased with the way that he answered some of my questions because he answered kind of a question that I've always kind of had to myself was the fact that he's trying to, from for what I believe is is to hijack uh, Habib's kind of home support uh, from him. He's he's came into into Russia and he, he's trying to drum up like kind of support among, amongst Russians, trying trying to paint Habib out as as kind of a non-Russian. We know he's from Dagestan and Dagestan's in Russia, of course, but he's trying to paint him out as this kind of uh, unpatriotic. Uh, coward, he, he, he called him as well. Um, so I was happy with the way he asked that. I was happy with the way he answered because he said he wanted to gift the people of Russia uh, a Russian fight, which is something that Habib's never done and he's never expressed any, any kind of uh, um, sort of desire to do. But um, coming on to your second part, the way people were uh, shut down during the uh, press conference was, was quite interesting because there were people. Uh, Wanting to know some answers to, to the recent reports that, that, that have come out, um, and uh, you know, as you said before, things were things with Conor McGregor. There's usually no smoke without fire, <laughs> but um, I'd be, you'd be a very brave man to say, you know, like to to, to stake your house on um, it, it, be, it, it being him when when the smoke clears. But um, it was it was it was a press conference. It was it was it was it was, it was very much it was kind of kind of very much staged, uh, very much practiced answers. But it was he didn't disappoint. It was it was very much theatre. Uh, Danny, I mean, you've been to so many press conferences, especially, you know, not like in fight sports alone. Um, do you think that, I mean, that, that, that the theatre, this was being backed, uh, for example, by, by UFC. Do you think that Dana's trying to draw up um, buys here in Russia for a, a, a return match of Habib and Connor? Do you think that Dana is like backing this all the way or it's like kind of Connor getting some sponsors on side and going off on a solo run? Well, the, the big the big thing is we know that the UFC are putting out the feelers here. They had the UFC uh, Moscow uh, last year, just after you know getting towards the end of summer uh, in Moscow. They're gonna have an, they've had an event in St. Petersburg in the intermediate, and they're, they're gonna have another one here again just in a few weeks' time in Moscow. They're putting the feelers out here. They're trying to see what the market's like. Uh, they know they've got a lot of MMA fans. The, the, the question is, do they have a lot of pay-per-view buyers? Do they have a lot of ticket buyers? Do they have a lot of people that can sell the stadium uh, out? Um, and they're not quite sure about that as yet. What they do know is that they have a big match that can get, uh, that can drum up interest in Russia. They have a lot of Habib fans here. They have a lot of Connor fans here as well. They probably have more Connor fans here than they have Habib fans. Now, Dana White is a master manipulator. He can he's holding uh, the strings over the both of these two guys. He, he's telling Conor that he's not the, not the man anymore, uh, whilst he's also uh, hyping up Javi. But he, kn he knows that Conor's been his boy for years and years and years. He's been the poster boy, he's been the golden goose for the UFC. He knows he's going to get out of him as much as he can as possible. He's, again, using him. By putting him down, he's using him as a promotional tool. So I would say Dana White is definitely, you know, he's he's, he's the one working uh, behind the scenes, as he, as he, as he always is. But what they have here is definitely they have a fight between two well-supported people in Russia. I'm talking about Conor McGregor being as well-supported as Habib uh, Namagamedo. And they have a lot of money to be made. Should uh, UFC uh, Moscow go well next month, they have a very, very good chance of making a lot of money on this fight. 
Okay, um, there's of course a, a UFC card next uh, week in Madison Square Garden. Of course, they're going to Mecca for boxing, of course, uh, in, in the world. Um, and Nate Diaz was banned one moment, and then basically, you know, the next day was cleared. Um, a lot of fighters have come out and said, wait, that's a bit strange. And they said, like, how come it, it, it happened so quickly? It was it the fact that USADA are contracted to UFC. Um, do you think it's a bit strange that, like, you know, if it was a Russian fighter or a Russian person, he wouldn't have been clear so quickly? Or just the fact that, like, anti-doping is business? Like, does that, has that sort of, like, sat okay with you? No, it's not really. Um, my main concern was uh, Nate Diaz coming out. The, the, Nate Diaz coming out and saying, you know, that I call false on this. He said on Twitter when it when it when it came out first, and with the amount of support that he had behind him from MMA fans, because MMA fans, and this is nothing to do with tribalism between boxing fans and MMA fans, they're normally the first to jump on a fighter from either sport uh, that has has been found guilty of of doping. Now, what doesn't sit well with me is, is uh, fighters that are in big fights that have already been um, agreed, such as we can point to Canelo when he's had his fight um, with uh, I think I think it was the lead up to was it was it GGG the second the second time when he yep. had those you know dodgy stakes and he was clear to fight and he only had a bit of backdated ban you know it's really murky waters when you're getting into it. Nate Diaz, I don't. I'm not too sure what he would have been eating or what he would have taken into his system because he's quite, from, you know, from what from, from from what I hear, he's quite a clean guy. He's he's a vegetarian and he's he's, he's quite into his you know his herbal remedies and you know you can make as much of a pun on that as you want. Or he's, made, he's, into, he's into his uh, herbal remedies and, and, and whatnot. So I wouldn't have, I can't really see like a, a kind of way that he would have um, been cheating. But yeah, then I mean, again, it, 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 yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, uh, the grey area that, that, that what I don't like is it's the grey area, like you just said, it's the you know ban one minute and then free the next, and you know there's a hell of a lot of money to be made here, and you know that the the, exactly. uh, the winner could be facing Conor McGregor, so that's got to play a massive, massive part in, in what's happened. And, uh, and there you, go, the, you know, you, you, like I say, Alan, you're in that you're in that grey area again, aren't you? And listen, Danny, this is why I, I brought it because you did bring up the let's just say on air the BMF belt. You brought it up to, to, to yes. Connor because this has been fought for by Diaz and Masvidal. So the winner will have this, be, like, well, the best, blah, blah, boom, uh, MF uh, belt. <laughs> Shall we say? I, I, won't, I won't curse on there. But um, basically, that, the, that this is a, like a, this newly created belt that he's going to be able to defend uh, against Connor McGregor for quite a bit of money. Um, so, I mean, is, is it like. Do, Always we, we hear this like radio sports going down, go down, but UFC always seems to push it a little bit extra, but people seem to buy into it. If this was boxing, um, like I think a lot of the boxing media and a lot of the bo- boxers will be up in arms. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you uh, 100%. But when you've already got these things in place, uh, you've got big multi-billion dollar corporations making big, big moves and big, big fights against their biggest and best stars. Of course, this is the baddest blah 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 belt that we've got we've got the two biggest baddest blah blah blahs fighting each other and then the winner's going to go on to fight Conor McGregor these these companies were employed by these companies that are making these fights to do the testing they pay tens of thousands of dollars or pounds or whatever and they're paid a lot of the time by the fighters it's like uh, Dylan White who's another the heavyweight boxer who's, who's 
himself enrolled him in, uh, I think it was, it was at the uh, U, sorry, UCAD that he was, he was in, That's uh, right. enrolled yeah. himself in. UCAD passed into fight. Why did UCAD pass into fight? Well, in my opinion, my professional opinion, is because Dylan White's paying in that money. And if Dylan White is paying in that money, then he will, and if they don't clear into fight, he's not going to be able to make that money back to pay them again. And he won't hire them again. And this is the problem that you've got. You've got big multi-billion uh, dollar companies making these making these moves. They're getting paid tens of thousands of pounds. These are their only. Let's not forget these are their only clients. The athletes are their only clients. They're not signed up by any kind of board. They're signed up by the athletes. Yeah. The athletes choose which ones they're gonna, which boards they're gonna they're gonna be chosen. But uh, sorry. Um, yeah, but, but basically, yeah, so basically, it, 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 this is this is what you got to do. This, I mean, this is what you're up against, Alan. Yeah, Danny, you're dead right. Whoever pays the piper is calling the tune. Um, listen, Danny, we, 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 we've almost run out of time, but I just wanted to ask you very, very quickly. Um, were Spartak good value for their money today? I mean, they, they got three good... Okay, the first goal, Guillermo made a, a Hames of it, but Spartak looked so much better than they have done for the last at least season and a half, in, 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 in my opinion. Yeah, well, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it, uh, you know, the new manager. Uh, sorry, not the curse. The uh, new manager charm. <laughs> the bounce, uh, you know. They were actually getting absolutely battered in the first half off locomotives. I mean, well, for at least my money from where I was standing. Um, and then in the second, well, you know, they were looking to get the goal. And then when uh, Jordan Larson came on the substitute, uh, it was it was all, all, all she wrote. Um, yeah, I mean, they the, the were due a couple of good results. I mean, the, 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 the Drew uh, Rubin. And now to get to get a result in a derby, especially with the way Lokomotiv Luka, have been playing, especially where and I, you you said it, you know I called it the other day. I said yeah. we we're going to score in Turin. Um, you did. And, against you, Juventus. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they were all right in the first half. Lokomotiv, I tell you what, uh, I don't know what was said at half time, but Tedesco. He got booked in the first half as well. Yes, yeah, I saw your comments on that. Yeah, and that's going on top of his ten thousand ruble fine from the last game as well. So you can say he's settling in well in his first two games, but uh, you know he seems seems to galvanise them something something rotten, and uh, they're playing like uh, playing quite freely now. So I hope, I hope it carries on because it's, it's it's a shame to see Spartak language in, in the uh, second half of the the table. So exactly, I was I was quite glad they got the win today. Listen, and also, of course, United are up in the top half. We're, we're going to have you in the studio next week, so we'll speak about that next week. So, listen, Danny, thank you so, so much. Safe home, and uh, we'll, much, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Danny. Cheers. Okay, that was, of course, Danny Armstrong from Russia Today Sports. Um, and, you know, always good value for money. And, again, another straight shooter that we have on board. Right, uh, we're going to go into the break right now. This is one where, again, you're sort of like you're, you're standing on a... A top of a of a, of, of a, a beautiful thermal bath in Budapest. You're having a nice little glass of Coca Cola, and you're just enjoying the sights of the blue Danube right outside you. This is Fitz in the Tantrums. I just want to shine. We're back with James Corbett after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Good night, stress. See you in the morning. I don't gotta guess. You're always there for me.
me doctors I had those I'm just trying to figure out How to be myself right now I don't want to lay low Hiding in the shadows So I wake up I get out of bed Stay up Stay out of my head It's dangerous Now I don't want to lose my mind back ladies and gentlemen I hope you enjoyed it I did say Budapest because of course that's where I was just over a week ago with my little boy Tim uh, for his 10th birthday and you know when it's t- plus 24 degrees and you're sitting on top of a, of a building beside a Danube with like the uh, Gellert Hill beside you it's just it's something really really special now I've been talking all the time about that uh, Grand Prix race that's over in Mexico City and at the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez. Rodriguez, I almost got that right. I always got double ends going, Alan, don't do do Spanish anymore. Okay, Uh, right, so right away, Charles Leclerc uh, in his Ferrari is leading. Vettel is in second. Albon, on the Red Bull, he, the Thai driver, he has nipped past Lewis Hamilton into third place. Lewis Hamilton in fourth. Now, Lewis Hamilton needs to finish on the podium uh, and to finish well ahead of Val- Valtteri, uh, Valtteri Bottas, his uh, Finnish co-driver. Um, Carlos Sanz is in fifth. Carlos Sanz Jr., of course. Uh, and looking down the uh, Daniel Kvart, he has moved up one place into eight in the baby Red Bull, also known as Toro Rosso. Now, we... I've already spoken with Nate Diaz, but we'll mention just a little bit right now because we're going to go across Ontario um, to catch Mr. Alex B because we also have a brewing, brewing uh, baseball scandal. Alex, I know you can hear us right now. You're alive. You're well. 
Howdy, 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 I am. Okay, listen, we were speaking earlier on just there a while ago with um, Danny Armstrong about Nate Diaz. Uh, what has the kind of the, the, the reaction been to him failing a test and then suddenly being cleared to fight next week in USC 244? Uh, well, he did release a statement where he essentially said that uh, he's not going to... Okay, Alex, we, we can't hear you. Alex, can you hear us? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So basically, okay, go ahead. So they basically said what? Uh, he said that he's not going to try to blame it on like any Mexican meat or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't so, eat meat. He's a vegetarian. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. So he, said, so he said all those things. So he said he's obviously like, that's not true. And most of the MMA world doesn't believe that he is uh, doing all these things. So... I think them clearing him for the fight is the right choice to be here. Plus, he's been inactive for like three years, so this just adds to the fact that why he has nothing really to defend. He's not really a champion. He doesn't really. The stakes aren't that high with him. He's making a comeback into the UFC. Uh, I don't think he really needs to be doing all these things. And um, I think him being cleared is the right move here. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, go, no, because uh, it is interesting, Alex. Oh, but, yeah, because he is yeah. he and uh, Masvidal they're going they're fighting for the BMF belt. Can you tell us what this belt yeah. is about? Uh, I don't think I can say it on, on the radio. <laughs> no, there's people listening. There's people listening that might not take too well. But let's say it's the baddest something something uh, yeah. belt, um, and they're basically kind of lining this up that he will. You know, maybe because Conor McGregor said he'd like to fight for that belt, uh, as well as fight against Habib this week here in Moscow. Um, do you yeah, think that they're lining up for like part three of Diaz uh, McGregor? I don't know, but this uh, belt, I think the best way to translate it would be like the People's Camp belt. Without the and so uh, people are <laughs> obviously trying to. This is where like all the big names are trying to uh, run it back. But Conor McGregor and Habib again, this would. Uh, not be a very good fight for Khabib because he already proved that he's better than Connor, and there's not be a. Uh, I wouldn't recommend Connor get into that cage with Khabib ever again. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think yeah. Connor needs to retire and uh, stop drinking whiskey. Um, listen, across onto or other things that he's uh, inhaling, shall we say? Um, right. In baseball, there's a huge scandal because it's 2-2, Game 5, which Donald Trump said he'll be there at Game 5, of course, uh, the Washington Nationals and the Astros. But there was the big talk was all around um, what happened between an Astros employee and a female reporter in the dressing room after one game. What happened, uh, uh, Alex? Uh, well, I, I do know that there has been a... Um, well, this has been just historically a very weird... Um, time because the first two games the Nationals won by a pretty big like um, by a pretty big margin and then after that the Astros seemed to came, come back with like 8 nothing to 4 nothing in both of those games so I mean like so, if yeah, the pretty, so you can understand what's under there um, but yeah that's pretty that's pretty, pretty much the talk of what's going on here yeah, because I mean, they're looking that he, that um, the the assistant GM of the Houston Astros uh, use inappropriate language towards a female uh, journalist. But I mean, it is a strange like where it is strange where journalists in American sports are allowed into the changing rooms. I mean, in Russia, you'd never hear of it. 
Uh, yeah, that's true. But um, they did try to deal with it. They they fired that person immediately. But I do agree that it's a, definitely a very weird thing to be doing, especially during the uh, especially during the World Series and MLB. That's definitely something they need to look forward. They needed to um, in advance make sure that didn't happen. So now they're kind of stuck with this whole thing. But obviously, what's going on in the um, in the series is definitely like overshadowing the scandal. Okay, well that's a good, that at least is a good thing in, in itself. Listen, thank you very much, Alex. Look, we'll be back on to next week because uh, we will be not just resurrecting, we will actually have the uh, the Capital Sports Quiz on next week. So start learning oh, yeah. for the week, okay? Yep. Okay, listen, and happy Halloween to you as well before we see you again. Thanks very much, Alex. Thank you. Okay, that was Alex B, of course, all the way from Ontario. Now, we're going to go across uh, to speak with James Corbett in just a moment. Um, an update again from... There's, uh, Verstappen had a puncture uh, on lap five, so basically he's finished. He is out of the race, so a uh, bad weekend from, for him and for Red Bull. So, uh, yeah, not, not nice. So it's still, as I said... Uh, after the tenth, after the tenth lap, Fiat he has been overtaken uh, for eighth place um, by Perez, the uh, Sergio Perez, the Mexican driver. So, of course, the home crowd loving that. Now, Daniel Cavat he needs a good drive in this um, in the last couple of races uh, of the season in order to keep his seat at Toro Rosso. It is under threat, um, and people are saying, well, you know, like you know, he's he's not doing well enough. He's not he's not. You know, producing your quality drives, and no matter what, with the money behind him and so on, doesn't make a difference. He needs to up his game. Right. We are going to go now to um, the head man in the Cooperton books, who, of course, is going to bring out for Christmas with you and McKenna the biography of Conor McGregor. But he is a suffering, a very, very long suffering uh, uh, Everton fan. James Corbett, how are you doing? Uh, not so good, to be honest. <laughs> Listen, um, one win in five games in the league and uh, Everton are just, they just can't seem to buy any bit of luck. Every time, they, you know, every, every time they, they, they go behind in the game, they just can't get it back. So they're not able to do a Liverpool. Um, where is it going wrong for Everton at the moment? Because every, they, they had the players, they have a, a, a decent coach, but something just doesn't seem to be clicking for them. Well, they played... Exceptionally well last week against West Ham at Goodison. Uh, they could have won by more than two goals. You know, hit the post, hit the bar. They had a perfectly good goal that's allowed. It could have been four or five nil. Uh, yesterday they were controlling the game until about the 80th minute. And, um, you know, a long ball's pumped forwards. It's a nothing ball. Michael Keane goes up against one of the Brighton attackers and the ball goes out of play and suddenly the a man in an office somewhere at Premier League headquarters is, um, is, 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 is telling the referee that it's a penalty that nobody else in the stadium thought it was. And Everson just collapsed after that. They, they conceded a, a last-minute own goal and they lost the game that they were winning and controlling. Um, so they were unlucky yesterday. They were good last week. They were not so good in any of the previous weeks. I mean, I spoke to you about a month ago. Yeah. I, my personal opinion is that Marcus Silva is not the right man for the job. But, you, you know, it's difficult to change him out of mid-season. So it looks like they're going to stick with him for now. Uh, there seems to be a lack of result there. You know, they, they, 
if they if they go behind, they don't turn that around. If they if they get a setback, it it becomes catastrophic. Um, and I don't I don't really know where you get the result from. Um, I mean, because look, look, look at it, Dad. I mean, of course, you're talking about the, the, the VAR, the Video Assistant Referees System. Now, looking at it, I, I mean, I, I was like trying to figure out, like, of course, people were saying, um, you know, Alan Pardew, of course, who who's the former, well, Brighton manager, and of course, he managed uh, Newcastle and West Ham. He he said it like, you know, that it was not a penalty. Like any professional football will tell you, it's not a penalty um, because it was a very very soft penalty but at the same time I mean there was minimal contact and so on and so forth but it's those kind of things that cost clubs for example a place in the Champions League or a place in the Premier League and will cost the manager his job so maybe it, it, it's time to sort of like to not to scrap it but maybe to have a review of it or something I don't know for, for a review the, the VAR because I mean it just seems to be so many issues with it this season and very, very inconsistent as well. So, is it the problem with the technology, the interpretation of technology, or use of technology, or just maybe that we're not ready for this level of technology in in our game? I don't think it's a problem with the technology. I think all refereeing decisions, to a certain extent, are, are, are subjective, and whether that's the man on the pitch or a man looking at a bank of fifteen TV monitors who's got everything in slow motion. For me, the issue is that it is, um, it, 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 it's just not transparent in the Premier League. There's no form of transparency. Even, even, even during FIFA competitions, you at least have the referee running to the edge of the pitch and looking into a monitor. And people watching at home on TV or in the stadium have some awareness of what's going on. What you have now is, 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 is as I said, someone who's in a remote office who's radioing through to the referee Nobody in the stadium's got a clue. Nobody on TV's got a clue. And even after the game, the referees never come on TV. You know, the referees are professionals themselves, and there's no expectation for them to come and explain their um, their, their, their decisions. The Premier League will do so informally. It'll brief people. But why why isn't the referee standing up? I I think it's been heightened for a lot of people over the last few weeks because... We've had the Rugby World Cup going on, and they, 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 of course, have had video referees for at least 15 years now. And it's very good in rugby. You know, if, you're, if your listeners aren't familiar, they, they essentially have the referee mic'd up with the people in the video suite, and the people in the video suite will relay their decisions and the rationale for the decisions to the referee, who will in turn speak to the players, and everybody's aware of what's going on. In football, you, you, you just don't... You, you know, there's, there's no form of any transparency whatsoever in the Premier League at the moment. And it's just a mess. And it's discrediting a system that's been put in place that technically should be working, but it's, it's, it's just not. OK, well, listen, there you go. And, and, and I, I agree with you on that. I don't think it's maybe it's not the, the system. It's just the way it's been implemented. Because again, as you said in rugby, if there's a, a score, for example, the referee will say, "Is there a reason why I should not give the score?" And then they will look back from that. It was there a foul in the build-up, or so on and so forth. Um, and the same was like if there's a, a high tackle or something, he'll say, "Can you play from this angle, this angle?" And then they'll they'll give a rationed, reasoned, and open decision, transparent decision. Um, <clears throat> James, before we let you go away, um, of course, uh, you're going to publish a, a, a book that is going to take on 
a huge amount of, uh, or get a huge amount of sales, I believe, coming up towards the Christmas, especially because he was over here. It's the Conor McGregor um, uh, biography, which was written by a friend of ours, uh, Ewan McKenna. Um, what, 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 when you were like sort of editing and looking through it, what surprised you most about Ewan's work? I mean, as well as being top quality, what surprised you as uh, the most about Conor McGregor and where he, how he got to where he is right now and what's happening with him right now? I think I think the fascinating thing about Conor McGregor is that he literally went from stopping off at the post office to collect a doll payment on his way to his first ever UFC fight in 2013 to being one of the biggest sports stars in the world by late 2015 and literally generating you know 80 to 100 million dollars per year um he's 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 a phenomenon he really is he's obviously a very talented fighter uh what we we wanted to do with the book was 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 not really look at mcgregor the fighter too much but look at how he made himself how he invented himself how he's made literally hundreds of millions if not billions for ufc um and how that's affected him and you know whether whether he's actually going to survive, and that's that's a that's a serious question. The book's published on the twelfth of November, which is the third anniversary since he last won a fight. <laughs> um, he's, he's 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 just announced the fight in the last week on the eighteenth of January. You know, will he be able to even fight, go through with that fight? Because there's there's a number of issues surrounding him at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we, um, we discussed it. Does, yeah, yeah, what will happen? Well, that, this, that's a good point. I would just, we're looking forward to because I'm, I'm definitely going to get my hands on it because it's, it's something that's worth reading. Because again, someone who came from, you know, from, as you said, getting unemployment money and getting a very, very small wage to being a, a, a multimillionaire, you know, and a, and a global superstar. I mean, it was, it was a very, very short ride to the top and it may be a very bumpy and short ride to the bottom as well. Listen, thank you so, so much, James. We're going to get Betch back on very, very soon. Uh, Fingers crossed that'll be with some better news for Everton. <laughs> thank you. Good oh, night. Thank you, James. Okay, that was James Corp, of course, over to Coopertown Books. And, of course, uh, a massive, uh, well, let's just say, a reporter for, uh, or on Everton FC as well. Okay, we're going to go to the break right now with a song that'll bring back memories, pleasant memories from three years ago uh, in France, 2016, the Euros. This is David Guetta and Zara Larson. This one is for you. Back after break with Iso Cody and Andy Mack. Sports with Alan Moore.
with Alan Moore. Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to part six and the final part of Kappa Sports for this lovely Sunday evening. Just so you all know, next week, because it's a bank holiday here in Moscow, we're on the same time, same place, but on Monday. So, Monday night, it is the 4th, I believe it is. So, we're on from 9 to 11 next Monday night. Now, I mean, of course, we were all thinking, oh, we'll have a nice weekend off. And myself and Double M were thinking, oh, we'll just go and just chill out somewhere down the country. But it's not going to be. So, uh, so if, if you're wondering if I'm out of breath, because I have to make a quick dash out. Uh, I was caught on camera. So, people look and go, what the hell is going on there? But anyway, right. Over in the Mexican Grand Prix and the Autodroma Hermanos Rodriguez. I've got that one right. Uh, Double M's Give me fingers up, or fingers up. He's giving me the thumbs up for that one. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, he is uh, <clears throat> leading the way in his uh, Ferrari on lap 20. Lewis Hamilton, if he stays where he is, uh, he is pretty much a shoe in for the world title. He is in second place. Bottas, the only person who can challenge him, is in third place. Leclerc is in fourth. Now, there have been some changes, of course. Uh, he has dropped down to 10th place just right now. Fight- he's fighting for. Uh, kind of between there's a Giovinazzi and him and Perez are all fighting for that uh, eighth place so but he's okay he's in the points right now as it goes along uh, Daniel Ricciardo is in sixth place Albon is in fifth right um, we're going to go right away to a lady who I mean she's always brilliant to speak she of course is a bard so she speaks for a living she is at the NFL game between the Bengals and she'll tell us who else as well um, <clears throat> in Wembley Stadium Isol Cody how are you doing? I'm very good, and unfortunately, my beloved Bengals are not putting in much of a performance this evening. Well, I mean, they're 0-7 on the year, so, I mean, you shouldn't be expecting that much. We are what I like to call consistent. Yeah, well, there's consistently good, consistently bad, but, you know, I mean, consistency is what it is. It's like beauty in the eye of the beholder. Um, Okay, (laughs) listen, we we were discussing, of course, uh, Nate Diaz and his, like... uh, you know, guilty, not guilty, his uh, fail test, not fail test. Of course, it's all like kind of this madness. Uh, you know, it, it, it was strange. It's insane how quickly it's been done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is what we, like, we've seen, like, for example, Russian athletes waiting for months, for a year, to, to, to know whether they're going to be able to compete or not. And yet uh, a, a UFC fighter in the space of 24 hours is basically cleared. You know, so it, it does seem think strange. It's a very, it's an interesting dynamic, particularly in the combat sport, where there is such a need to be absolutely certain as to if someone is obviously doping, but also you look at the equivalent with USADA and look at UCAD with Dillian White, and we're still months in, we have no idea of what's actually happening. And you have to question how they're that quick in coming to a conclusion, but also why, obviously money is a big influence, so where there's that much of a financial incentive, they're getting it all sorted but you're looking at this guy and going I'm actually impressed by the fact that he essentially grasped on himself yeah he actually said like I'm guilty so he didn't hide behind his hands now of course everyone knows that he's a vegetarian and he's very much into herbal remedies and so on and so forth whichever mm-hmm. again as uh, Danny Armstrong said, we could take that for what it is um, but it, 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 it did seem an awful strange one and the fact that he came out and blew the whistle on himself I mean as, as a, a legal professional um, does, do the wheels of justice move that quickly? Firstly no <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they don't because if you're, a good, if you're good at your job as a lawyer that means one thing you are going to take your time because and all jokes aside 
the legal process is dragged out mostly by lawyers. So if you have a case where there's doping cases and you have expert opinions, you can believe that those expert opinions and reports will be there quite quickly if you're paying enough money. The people who make it go slower are lawyers. Okay, so basically, yeah, go ahead. have that quick a turnaround. It's not only, it basically says that he's the one pushing it, saying, don't bother with the legal system. I've come out and said it. It's the last advice you would ever give a client is openly admit to something (laughs) at the outset. (laughs) Like, it's it's bizarre. Um, It's alarming to me. Okay. It can move that quickly when people want it to. But that, that it doesn't in other instances. Well, listen, as, as we, we say it all along, I mean, the likes of USADA, I mean, when they had like a Christian Coleman bang to rights, it was okay. We've just found out uh, this year, of course, or this week that the, um, the marathon, the, 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 the now the world record British. holder, yeah, yeah. A, she, guy, she <laughs> skipped three tests. Out of, like, out of, like, it just makes no sense. And then today, of course, the Dublin City Marathon was won by a guy who yeah. has been done for doping. And so it is, it's kind of, it is this kind of like we're in this wonderland. But anyway, um, it's, uh, t- two things just wanted to, 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 to pick your brains on. First was, Conor Ben, of course, he, he won last night. His dad is fighting he again, did. as we know, Nigel. Um, last night, there was a, a, a like, great wins for Derek Chisora against David Price, who, in uh, my opinion, I think Anna- Price... Price should be quit. And the top of the top of the card was an amazing fight. Kind of one that shocked a lot of people, especially a lot of the American viewers. Yeah, I think the big thing to take from last night, um, as someone who goes to a lot of boxing, was I was very happy with how Price, his corner, made the right call for him. And he was, thankfully, after the fight, was around the place and in good form. And obviously... As a result of his corner making a sensible call, he didn't put himself in danger of a serious injury. Um, in terms of the main event, it was an absolutely enthralling fight. And I think the thing is, the Ali Trophy and World Boxing Super Series has a huge potential to really draw people in because you're looking at the best of the best. And it's so rare in boxing. We're never going to see the best of the best fight in the heavyweight division as far as I'm concerned. I have just seen Tyson Fury was actually on the field here promoting his WWE exploits. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> he's, he, he's in every sport now. But as in the opportunity, if they brought that tournament in across the board in more weight divisions, you would literally get to see the best fighters in that division fight. And I think last night was an example of, firstly, it surprised people with the result, but the actual level of the fight was a different level in terms of both fighters went in and gave performances that I don't think anyone really thought was in either of them. We knew they were very talented, but it was just a different, a I, different level altogether. Listen, that's and great. For, Go ahead. Uh, well, in terms of boxing at the moment, last weekend, probably the British domestic fight of the year happened in Newcastle. And there is so much... I think when you see that level of talent out there, it makes you look at things like doping in a different light and you go, these guys are, there's no question about any single one of these fighters. But if this is the talent that's out there, there is an exceptional need to make sure that the sports are properly regulated and essentially that you get to see these fights. And this is the most important thing, is again, is this is like to make sure that the fighters themselves are protected, not only from themselves, but also from those around them or those who are pushing them as well. And so from having an overly brave corner, which is always this a is it. Mind. 
This is it. Uh, Isabel, before we let you go, um, Conor McGregor, of course, was here doing uh-huh. his uh, war dance and kind of like making a show of Ireland. Um, I would much rather wish him on you than us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had those messages, all right. <laughs> like, he's better he's over there than back in Dublin, like, and it's like battering old men in pubs. Um, listen, he, he is facing some very big legal problems. Would, if he came to you in the morning and said, listen, uh, I need a brief, I need you to, to help defend me against what he's coming up against, of course, including sexual assault and physical assault and so on. Mm. Would you even want to take that case on or would you have to think twice? You couldn't pay me enough money to take that on. Now, I am, I'm going to be very blunt on this. I am a firm believer and I took great issue with certain cases in Ireland, in well, in Northern Ireland in the recent past, with the fact that a jury of your peers finds someone, found, well, found more than one person not guilty. And my opinion is always, yes, you have a right to fair process. Um, my difficulty is, with Connor, there have been a number of accusations. And the wheels of justice move very slowly. So if, they're, if the DPP are taking their time in reviewing a file, that's for both people's benefit. It's for the benefit of anyone making an accusation that they feel that the DPP will only take a case forward if they feel they can be successful. And it's also for the benefit of an accused in the sense that you're entitled to only have a case taken against you where there is merit in it. But with McGregor, the litany of things that have started coming out in terms of the alleged sexual assault, the language which the Gardaí have used, to me, is a marked difference from the allegation made last December, which, according to news reports, Gardaí have said that the man in question said that was a consensual matter. So that's now in a different vein. But the language used, words like traumatised, to anyone who's worked in the legal profession, they scream the Gardaí sending a very different message about the level of this allegation. Okay, listen, thank you for that. Because the DPB is the Director of Public Prosecutions, like yeah. our procurator here, and of course the Gardaí are the police here. So listen, I, so I, I my, hope... My last thing yeah. on it would be very quickly to say that I think you're noticing the marked difference in how the UFC are dealing with it this time. Dana White saying he wasn't interested in having a back. I think we need to consider that at this stage, Connor can make all the announcements he wants. A lot of people don't want to watch him. Well, there you go. His, his brand value, as you say, is gone altogether. Listen, I hope that uh, there will be a very late fourth quarter comeback um, because you guys are now on the LA Rams. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have a chance. You just like I hope you still do it. 24-10 down, but fingers crossed because you need a win. Spurs lost today. You need your Bengals to win today for sure. We only lost 2-1. Don't you worry. Practically <laughs> win against Liverpool. Exactly. Have a lovely evening, Alan. Thank you, Isolde. Enjoy the rest of your stay in London. Thank you. Thanks, Mel. Bye. Okay, that's Isol Cody coming to us from live from Wembley Stadium, where of course the LA Rams are playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, LA are four and three. Cincinnati are zero and seven. So I mean, she definitely does pick her teams. Now we're going to get Andy Mack on the phone in just a moment because he's going to give us his tips for the week ahead in English and Russian Premier League football. Now, lap 28, Hamilton. Hamilton is back in fourth place because of pits. Uh, he's had one pit stop. Uh, Bottas hasn't pitted yet. Vettel is out ahead. He hasn't pitted as well. So 28 laps gone. Uh, it is Vettel, Bottas, Leclerc, Hamilton, Albon, Ricciardo. And then our own Danny Kwiat. He is also after pitting and he is in ninth position. So we're going to get um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Andy Mack on the phone in a moment. 
moment. Looking ahead to the games next week, there is quite a bit of decent action in there for, for people to have a look at. Of course, next Saturday at 3.30, the Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, well, let's say revolution because they're revolt. Well, they have been revolting all season, but they're kind of fighting back a wee bit. They are away against Bournemouth. That's 3.30 kickoff time here in Moscow. Arsenal are home against Wolves. Wolves, we know they drew today. Arsenal drew today as well. That's 6 o'clock um, Moscow time. Liverpool, they are also kicking off at 6 o'clock on Saturday uh, uh, against Aston Villa. That's going to be a tough one for them. Man City, they will look to put up maybe double scores on Southampton because, of course, Southampton absolutely battered senseless uh, on Friday night against Leicester City. Uh, two hat-trick scores in that game, of course. Uh, Jamie Vardy putting three in the back of the net. Uh, they're uh, Man City at home at 6 o'clock against Southampton. West Ham against Newcastle. And Chelsea, they have a kind of a London derby that kicks off at 8 30 against Watford again, well, away against Watford. Now, on Sunday, well, I mean, let's see, there's, there's two teams that are struggling for a bit of form and we've had supporters from both. We've had Isil just on and, of course, we had uh, James Corbett who has been on. Um, Everton, uh, Ever- Everton are at home at 7.30 um, to uh, Tottenham Hotspur. So that's going to be a tough one there. Now, uh, looking across at well, here at home in Russia, Dinamo, as we already said, they are at home against Ahmad Grozny. Okay, Ahmad Grozny, uh, that's Saturday at 2 p.m. There are tickets available for that. Lots of tickets. Uh, well, not lots, of, quite a few tickets from 250 rubles per seat. Ufa are at home, of course, against Lokomotiv Moscow. That's also 2 o'clock on Saturday. That's one that, as Kiro Bredo said at the start of the show, Local really need to win to get that back on track. So this is like a... a this is this is a this is a tough one for local. They need to win it because they need to go into that game, of course, uh, next week in the Champions League against um, Juventus. They need a bit of confidence in that because looking ahead at that, they, I mean, they they need to put up a fight. They need to at least pick up a draw in it. And of course, that's on Wednesday, the sixth of uh, November. Uh, we'll come back and then just one moment. Um, and looking across then we have Siska they are away against Zenit so Siska they they need to at least pick up a point I think Lokomotiv will be hoping hoping that uh, that they will do that because do them a bit of favour some neighbourly love of course that kickoff is at 7 o'clock on Saturday evening and finally for the Moscow clubs Spartak Moscow they are at home on Monday at 7 o'clock against Arsenal Tula now if if this is real, if this Tedesco revolution is real, as Ronan Murphy told us it would be, as Danny Armstrong also is hoping for, because we all hope for a strong Spartak, um, except the other clubs, of course, uh, they need this win. They need to beat uh, Arsenal. Arsenal, they, you know, they, Arsenal not doing that great at the, this year, but they're kind of just lower mid-table. They're in 10th place on 16 points. Spartak need to win that game. If they win that game, they have a chance then to chase down the teams ahead of them, including Siska. Uh, okay, so we're going to go out uh, quite soon. But before we do, we've got a couple more little, small little messages in. So one, uh, a question of whether... I'll, I'll ask for a thumbs up on this from, from Double N. Double N. If Double N believes that Nate Diaz should have been cleared to fight, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. Okay, so he agrees with Alex B. Uh, another question. Um, do you think that... Oh, oh, this is, this is, a, this is a, a locomotive one. Do you think that locomotive will beat Juventus? Oh, he's thumbs up, he's thumbs up. Thumbs up, very, very good. Okay, because of course, they are playing on the 6th. That kickoff uh, is at 8.55, nine, well, almost 9pm 
Tickets are sold out. They are sold out, but there are a few available around the place. They're going to cost you a wee bit. Uh, we will be there, of course, we'll be covering the game. But, of course, we'll give it a proper preview on the Monday evening on the 4th, OK? So, again, we're going to go out right now. We're going to go away for the week. Um, it's, it's still not that bad outside. It's only 12 degrees, so it's not freezing, but it's not great. We're going to leave you with a song from Noah and the Whale. Okay, and it's going to lift you up a little bit. It's going to make you feel a bit happy. It's going to make you feel boosted up for the week ahead. And we need that. We need that because we need to be lifted, especially this time of year when it's getting darker. The you know the mornings, it's it's dark. We can out of bed, and it's just not nice at all. But I love it because always, always, it's the change of the year that makes us kind of lift ourselves and find what's good inside. And this song will. So we're going to go away. We're going to say bye-bye for just over a week, for eight days. We'll be back on the 4th of November. This is on the Monday. So tune in. We'll be here loud, clear, hopefully, <laughs> if I can. And I won't have any more um, dashes away to uh, for, for the call of nature, whatever it is. So um, we'll say goodnight to you. Wish you well. Have a great sports week. Double N, uh, thanking him for great work on the phone. Thank all our contributors. Of course, we couldn't get Andy McAzee in the studio right now with some breaking news. So, have a great week. This is Noah and Well, five years' time. Talk to you in eight days' time. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Could be walking around a zoo with the sun shining down over me and you. And there'll be love in the bodies of the elephants too. And I'll put my hands over your eyes, but you'll peek through. And there'll be sun, sun, sun all over our bodies. And sun, sun, sun.